This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, January 8th, 2020. We've all seen the latest Mideast news. The markets have reacted, and pretty interesting, isn't it? Now, the, uh, before the open, in the in the uh, uh, pre-opening hours, the market was down pretty big. But by the time the market opened, it was fine. Didn't even care. It wasn't even a, 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 an event. Very interesting that Iran, Iran uh, missile launches. And as far as I'm saying, interesting as to what the market react, how the market reacted to it. I'm going to have more on that in a minute. Moving forward, forward, serious investors may want to ask themselves whether they are confident about their portfolio and is it in balance is, or do they need to rebalance? You know, always at the end of the year, the beginning of the year, that's when you start to take a look and see if you need to rebalance your portfolio for the upcoming year. You may want to get more aggressive, less aggressive. I don't know. It's up to you. But you also need to have a good balance of your portfolio. You want to optimize your growth, your your risks. You know, you want to control the risk, understand the risk. Remember, this is your financial future. You're talking about your own personal money. So it's interesting how much people regret what they did in 2019. I'm going to talk more about that later on today too. But but you know that's why you got to look at it. You can't just let it roll on and just keep going and not pay attention. So now, if you want professional assessment, I'll be happy to do that. That's my job. Unbiased investment guidance. You 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 come to the right place. You're listening to the right person. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining me today. And I hope you will also call me with your investing questions. And when you do, of course, you drive the show. You take the direction you want it. You shape it wherever you want it to go. As long as it's financial, I'm on board with you. Remember, our goal here is, is to achieve what I call financial freedom. And this means we want to make you a better investor, more informed investor. Even if you hire someone like me, you got to know what they're doing. You got to understand what they're doing because maybe they're not doing what you think they should be doing. Not, not, maybe you don't share the goal with that independent advisor. Maybe his goal is different than yours. Maybe he misunderstands yours. So you have to under, you have to know what he's doing. You really do. So in this hour, I'm going to do my best to get you there, to that goal of financial freedom. At least put you on the right path to get there. And to do that, you need to call. I'm live right now, 888-99-CHART. You can ask anything financial, and we'll take it from there. Now, as I hope you have heard, I have set firm dates aside for portfolio consultations, and I'm going to be in Texas and New York City. I think I have one slot left in Texas, Dallas, Texas, and I'll be there January 24th. And I have a few slots left because I'm going to be there two days in New York, January 28th and 29th. So, and that's Tuesday and Wednesday. So, Dallas is a Friday, the 24th, and 28th, 29th is Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm going to take a long weekend and visit relatives in Texas. So, if you're determined to get your portfolio assets optimized, if you'd like some experience to help, you know, help managing your finances well, please go to the Portfolio Review page on investor.com and register to meet with me. You can do it right away. I will sit down with you and together we'll focus on turning up your portfolio, trying to get it to the best best we can. I, I, always, I always hedge because... 
you know, some people don't want to be too aggressive. So, you know, that's why I mean, that's why I say optimize, because maybe you don't want to have a complete stock market exposure. And as we get older, we don't. We just want to make as much income we can without taking too much risk because we have a nest egg that we can't afford to lose. So, depends on if you're young, then we do take a lot of risk. You should take a lot of risk. So, you know, it's always individual. Okay? So, go to investtalk.com, send me an email, set up a time, give me a call. Any way you want to, I'll get a hold of you and we'll set up a time. My main talking point today concerns the implications of the survey 70% of American investors wish they had handled money differently in 2019. 70% are not happy with what they did in 2019 with their investments. Now, as regular listeners know, you know, regular listeners to InvestTalk, deciding how much to invest is a highly individualized process, as I just said. It depends on your personal goals and risk tolerance. And of course, you have to, yeah, there's ways to measure it and everything else. Now, we've talked about it here. You know, we have that Riskalyze uh, uh, questionnaire on our website, investtalk.com, Riskalyze, and it, it tries to score your, your risk tolerance. Even if you don't use that, somehow you have to gauge how much risk you want to take and how much risk you're taking. So, how do you gauge that? It's not easy, it's a difficult task. Okay, so that's that's what we got to do. We have to do that. Anyways, so how'd the market do today? Well, it did quite well compared to what it was. I'll get to that in just a minute. Why don't we go ahead and go to James at Sonoma in Sonoma Valley. How are you doing, James? Well, I'm doing fine. Today, I wanted to talk, Steve, about uh, International Development Low Volatility, IDLV. Um, my guy says I need more fixed income and need more international. All I hear is about how international is going to catch up. Uh, this one I like because it, uh, United Kingdom is like number six on the list, only has 5% of the United Kingdom. I have a couple other ETFs that have uh, United Kingdom like 24%, 28%. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm, I'm just mm-hmm. worried what's going to happen with Brexit, and you think this is a good fund. To, it has Canada and Japan are its biggest, uh, two biggest uh, uh, locations. I just want to know what you think about this fund and what do you think is going to happen over in Europe? I'm a little skittish on getting anything over there. Actually, I think Europe is, might finally get its act together next year or the year after, uh, after being so weak for so long. Um, but I'm not keen on Europe necessarily. Um, I actually think Brexit will help Britain quite a bit, but you know, no one thinks that besides me. This uh, one you're talking about, IDLV, is Invesco International Developed uh, Low Volume. I guess that's LWVOL. I guess that's lower volume. I don't know what that means. Uh, it's an ETF. An ETF corresponding to the Standard & Poor's uh, International Developed Low Volatility, not volume, Low Volatility Index. Okay, so I kind of like that. This is pretty conservative. It pays a dividend of 5.5%. Low volatility means that they're they're sticking with the big blue chip type uh, non cyclical kind of stocks, and so don't expect it to have a lot of growth. They'll have some over time, but you can probably rely on the dividends. I don't know how it's internally structured, uh, James, but you know it looks pretty solid to me uh, as as a part of your portfolio. So this is a, this would be an income part with some growth. Not total income, not totally safe on the market because it will go up and down with the market, but it will always throw off a lot of income. I like it, James. I think it looks pretty good. Thanks for the call. 
And getting back to the market, I didn't tell you what the market did today. The Dow was up 161 points. The Nasdaq was up 16. I'm sorry. The S&P was up 16. And the Nasdaq was up 60, 61. So it was a pretty good day, especially in light of what happened uh, overnight, last night. And the futures market was pointing to a pretty heavy down day. But by the time the market opened, it didn't look bad at all. So it's kind of a mixed day. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and you've heard me say that I believe every investor should determine their individual risk tolerance, and I've talked to you about this before. It's a first step in building a more profitable investment strategy, a investment strategy that you're more comfortable with. So you need to define your investment comfort zone. And it's easy, quick to calibrate. You go to you know to your risk tolerance. And just go to a, our free online tool at investtalk.com called Riskalyze. It's a questionnaire. It's very short, but it will score your risk tolerance, give you a score. Then I send me an automatic report, and then I, re, I report back to you. But now I'm ready to take your questions. 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. We're in a new year and the markets have already shown some volatility, but you can remain calm. Steve Peasley is here, ready to answer your questions and provide his unbiased investing guidance. The phone lines are open, so call now. 888-99 chart. 888-992-4278. Love to talk to you. Give me a call. So we also saw the news, the Iran missile attack uh, that was yesterday. We, matter of fact, I was on the air yesterday when I was mentioning it when it was happening. So we know what happened. And since Mr. Trump, President Trump, has called for de-escalation while also keeping pressure on Iran, the market liked what it heard. See, the market, the market seems not to fear this at all. I don't know if the market has more faith in President Trump than you know other people, but the market doesn't seem to be scared. Maybe that's wrong too. You know, the market can be wrong. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they should be. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? We really don't know. But the market seemed to. Well, I just go by what's happening in the market. The Dow was up 161 points. I mean, for a day that it would normally you do this a few years ago, the market would have tanked two, three, four hundred points. Anyways, there's also plenty of good economic news. Maybe that helps. Job creation is very good, according to the ADP payroll people today. Remember, that's a, uh, they, are, they count the number of private sector jobs produced for the month, and they said it was 202,000. That was a, per, a much bigger number than expected. Yeah, and that, they're talking about December's number, right? Last month of the year. Uh, that, By the way, that's the highest creation number in eight months that they've reported in the last eight months. Construction was the strongest sector for new jobs. Can you believe that? Construction. Some uh, small business hiring was also very strong. Now, those are pretty good indicators of a decent economy, a strong economy. And I think we're seeing the economy start to come back. So, I think we just have to be aware of that. That's all. So, let's grab a caller question from our 888-99 chart number. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Josh from North Carolina. Just called to let you know I love you guys' show. I have two stocks 
I would like if you could to give an analysis on um, both in the same space I'm looking at. The first one is Nutrien, NTR, and the second is Mosaic, MOS, uh, both of which are fertilizer producers, I believe, uh, number one and two as far as size in the world. Kind of looking to get into the space and was looking at these two. Just trying to get you guys' thoughts on it, um, whether or not that would be a good idea going forward, long-term hold, um, trying to find things in the agricultural space as commodities have been beaten up over the past few years. Um, thanks for all you do. I uh, look forward to hearing your answer on the podcast. Thank you. Well, we're looking at this space too, to be honest, KPP Financial, uh, with, the, with my guys, Justin, Jason, and Nick. We're, we're looking at this space. Um, this is Nutrient NTR. I'll take that one first. Manufactured fertiliza- fertilizers and related industrial and feed products in the U.S. It's a 27 in Canada, and it's a 27 billion dollar company. They pay a 3.8 percent dividend. Earnings are going to be uh, 2.97 this year. It was 2.36 cents a share last year, so there it's a 26 percent increase estimate for this year. So I kind of like it. Sales aren't growing that fast, but they are growing four or seven percent in the last three quarters. So, but you got to be careful if you go past three quarters, and you'll see growth, sales growth, two hundred and three hundred percent. Well, that's only because they bought a company, so you can't count that. It you know it's kind of just distorts things. But it looks like they put in a bottom to me. Uh, that bottom is right around uh, $45, 46 dollars. It's at forty-seven seventy-three. I think that's their bottom, and I think you know this is the time if you're going, you want to get into this kind of space. Do you, you do Mosaic M O S or this one N T R? Okay, I kind of like the play. On the next invest talk. How a Trump win in 2020 could reshape housing markets across America. Analysts say the 2016 presidential election may have influenced home building activity in some areas more than others. Could it happen again? We'll break it down the story tomorrow, by the way. But for now, I'm Steve Peasley. I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where Invest Talk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with Klein investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. My main talking point today concerns, you know, uh, an article about, uh, that uh, was survey actually, 70% of American investors wish they had handled money differently in 2019. Deciding how much to invest is pretty individualized, okay? You can't, it's up to everybody, but 70% of people weren't happy with their decisions, most of that was regret not being in the market. See now that this is the problem. You know, I will. I have mentioned on the air that you know maybe you should put on a hedge. Maybe you should be careful at times, but never ever get out completely of the market. Never, never, because no one knows when the bottom is going to put in. No one can time it. All you can do is hedge against more volatility. Um, you know, you're trying to anticipate when that next recession may come and try to prevent any 
you know, strong downturns. Even the last recession, I, I was, what, 50% in the market in my stock accounts? 50%. I never went below 50. Okay, but, you know, I did hedge. Um, you know, I did a bit, bit more hedging during the dot-com area, but you, you never get out completely. It just is very, very risky to do that. So the biggest regret people had is, uh, let's see, it was 35% felt they should have invested more money in 2019. The next regret, 16% thought they should have been more aggressive. 15% thought they should make more trades. Now, I'll warn you, I don't necessarily agree with that one. Trading, a lot of trading does not necessarily produce a lot of return. Be Being careful of what you buy in the first place, that is what you want to be. But you can trade, I'm not saying that, but, you know, don't be too... You know, don't be don't be in and out, in and out, in and out. That doesn't work. Nine uh, percent want to invest in IPOs, and I think that's a total mistake. You do not invest in IPOs. That's wrong. First of all, you'll never get it at the IPO price, right? You, because you know that's given to if it's a good IPO, it's given to the you know the commercial investors, the mutual funds, the hedge funds. Those guys get that call. Hey, you interested in buying this IPO at the IPO price? You don't. Me and you, we don't get that call. We get the call only if it's a really bad IPO. <laughs> Because they think about it, the 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 commercial bank banker who's taking that company public, they only want to make a few phone calls to get the trades, get the socks sold, or else they have to buy them. And you know they have to hold on to them. The commercial bank has to hold on to the IPO stocks for six months or so. So they they want they want to find buyers, and they don't want to make they don't want to make a hundred calls. They want to make ten to sell the stock. Anyway, so. The biggest, by far, was the biggest regret in 2008, by far, by investors, where they didn't invest more money. That means people were sitting on a lot of cash. Now, the question is, are they still sitting on a lot of cash? Remember, that cash on the sideline is like fuel, fuel fuel to a car. It's like gasoline, ready to go. It goes, put that money in the market, and the market takes off. So the more money, the more ability the market has to rise based on that money. And don't think that you and I are the ones that push stock higher. It's not. It's really the 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 um, the commercial investors, the mutual funds, the hedge funds, the pension plans. Those guys are really the ones who push stocks higher. We we do too, but not not nearly as much because we, they have a lot more money than we do a lot more so just think about that 888-99-CHART 888-992-4278 that's our number love to have you um and and, uh, i I like the i like callers everybody to ask more general questions but i will ask any answer any question about stocks but i will try to make it broaden that out to so that everybody learns something from the individual stocks, you know, um, and not I'm sure not everybody's going to agree with me, you know, as to what I think about a company is a good bad. Like we talked about, nutrient was is a, and I kind of like that space right now. I'm looking for my own clients in that space. I don't think everybody will agree with me. It, you know, they won't. But I think it's a good low cost area to be. I mean, nutrient. 
you know, it's it's not cheap, but it's not expensive either. So I kind of I kind of like I like that space. So you're never gonna you're never gonna get everybody to agree. Okay, just not. You know, I, I get some emails from people thinking that I'm wrong on this stock or that stock, and that maybe ever will be true. Very, you know, you don't have, you know, I like it when people disagree with me because I'll be happy to, to to bat it back and forth, tell you why I like it, and you tell me why you don't. Be happy to do that. Okay, so before we break, we got a trivia question. During the reports of, uh, you know, uh, so, no, not that. So how do the markets react? Okay, this is a trivia question. How do the markets react following the Japanese attack? Because during the Iran missile thing, the market really took a dive, the pre-market opening. But not at the opening, it was pretty strong. So how about other crises? How do the markets react to the Japanese attack at Pearl Harbor? 1941, or after President Kennedy's assassination in 1963. Do you remember? Or how about 9-11? Do you remember what happened in the market then? I'll have the answers after the break. But now, we're taking your market and financial questions live, 888-99-CHART. Your typical workday can be very busy. Assignments, appointments, responsibilities, obligations, Sometimes you start early and end late. For that reason alone, you may already be looking to the future, to a period when your money, your accumulated assets are working for you and ultimately creating financial freedom. There are many voices suggesting financial planning services, but there's one company, one firm that offers a balanced variety of strategically designed investment plans. One firm that applies decades of experience to enable a client personalized collaboration. One firm that can show you how to optimize an investment portfolio that fits your lifestyle objectives and risk tolerance limitations. One firm that speaks with a clear, logical, and unbiased voice. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial or visit kppfinancial.com. This is Invest Talk. For serious investors, it's all about achieving financial freedom. That's why the unbiased guidance offered by Steve and Justin is so valuable. The Invest Talk Anytime listener lines are open now, and Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call 888 99Chart. Okay, let's look at the answer here. Before the break, I asked a trivia question How do the markets react following the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor? Uh, in December 1941, and after President Kennedy's assassination in 1963. you got to admit, those are huge events, right? Huge events. So let's take a look. Number one, after the attack on Pearl Harbor in 1941, stock prices declined by about 4%, and then recovered slightly. The stock market was closed on the Sunday, December 7, 1941, the day of the attack. So that was a Monday that it went down by 4%. But the market opened the next day. The Dow Jones Industrial fell 3.49% on December 8th then to $112. $112. The Dow was at 112 Broader stock indexes far, fared worse, falling 4% or more. In fact, back then, stocks dropped another 10% by early 1942 before, the begin, before beginning to climb higher through the war years. They climbed during the war years. The second example, on the day of President Kennedy's assassination, November 22nd, 1963, the Dow fell about 3%. 
but prices, but prices recovered within a week. The effect on prices is largely confined to the day of the assassination itself. So what have we learned from this? Today's market events and the historical episodes presented here, well, not, they're not predictors, of course, of the future. We don't know, but do indicate that the stock market's response to terrible news is not always dramatic. Not. And not usually long-lasting. So don't freak out about any of that. Don't. Don't worry about it. You know what? You, you buy good stocks that pay dividends or have growth or whatever its characteristics you're looking for, and you buy them. And you hold on to them, generally speaking. And you only hedge sometimes when you feel like we're going into recession or the economy's starting to weak. You can hedge. I'm okay with that. But generally, you just stay with the market. Let's go to Dave in San Leandro. How you doing, Dave? I'm doing great, Steve. How are you? Thank you again for your wonderful show. Well, thank you, and I appreciate the call. Thank you for those nice words. Okay. My question is just about what you just finished speaking about. Last night, the stock market did a somersault. And the, right. the I watched it after the market closed, and it showed that after the market closed, um, the after-hours trading was down $3 on a $35 stock. For, this is uh, one of the examples. It happened about five stocks uh-huh. in my portfolio. This morning, however, by the time before the market opened, the pre-market numbers were back up to about the, the price it was before the Iran uh, uh, deal happened. Okay, what right, right. I've never traded after hours. I've never traded after hours stock. How exactly does that work? And can you actually buy it like at eight o'clock last night at that lower price? Um, I, I just I've never it, done it, so I don't know how it's supposed not. to work. Go ahead. Probably not. You know, those individual people can't do it. Those those after hours trades are trades happening in other markets around the world, and their estimates of what this doing to our market here. And usually, you know, they you can make a trade. For instance, remember you own the stock, right? You can sell it. To, you can sell that stock to me anytime tonight, right? We can, you can sell it to me. There's no stopping you from selling it to me. And that's what's really happening is you have institutions talking to each other and they're reporting the trades on the next morning. And so, but what's happening is reporting the trades all the night. It's happening, but you know, that it doesn't necessarily reflect what the opening prices will be in the next morning. So you and I can't take advantage or be disadvantaged by it. We just, we're not able to. The average person can't. So the, it's only the institutions that have access to international markets or, you know, for instance, you know, Chrysler or Ford could be selling on uh, our exchange and also sell on uh, the London exchange, right? They could list their stock there. They want to. So that's, you know, that it, those it's very difficult to take part in that. You're not going to be able to do it. Just not. So don't, don't think you can. But that's what's happening and, you know, it's very, very volatile because the trade volume is very, very light. And these reporting what's reporting to what's going on. Dave, appreciate the call. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's after hours trading. So all we can do is pretty much watch it. But I, I don't react to it. I, I, I really encourage you not to react to it. I usually, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I was taught that you don't do any trading the first hour of the day or the last hour of the day. 
And you don't do it because it can be volatile and not be reflective of the true value of the comp- of the stock and the true what people think it really is worth. Because everybody's either trying to get in quickly or get out quickly at either end. And it distorts prices. Well, sometimes you can take advantage of that, but it's difficult. 888.99 chart. Is the market overvalued? Do you think it is? Now, the P.E. ratio, what do you think the P.E. ratio is? And I'm talking about the forward P.E. ratio. That's what most people know, most people are comfortable with. It's at 18.6. Do you think that's high or is that low? Well, the five-year average of the the forward P.E. is 16.7. The 10-year average is 14.9. So on a P.E. ratio, forward P.E. ratio, it's high. But what really is a we're more of a worry is the price to sales ratio. We don't talk about that much. The price to the stock to the amount of sales of the uh, uh, per share sales that the company is selling. That is well above the dot com bubble peak. Think about that. Price to sales is way above the dot com bubble peak. Now, granted, there wasn't much sales going on during the dot-com because none of these companies had any sales, didn't have any earnings. They had eyeballs, remember? Another way to look at it is the Schiller P.E., okay, or CAP, C-A-P-E. Okay, do you know what that means? Schiller P.E.? Anyways, what it does is it looks at the averages the last 10 years of earnings and compare that with the price of the stocks. That is at 31.19. Is that high? Yes. What was the peak in 2044? What's the average? The average of the Schiller PE pretty much tracks closely to the average of the normal PE. That's the average. 16, 15, 16, somewhere around there. And it's at 31. So yes, the stock market is overvalued. Now, it can stay overvalued. This is the trick that is hard to accept. It can stay overvalued for several years. It doesn't have to come down, but it will eventually come down. But the prices of the stocks don't have to come down. They could go sideways and earnings catch up. Earnings keep growing, right? So earnings keep keep growing. If the earnings estimates are get, are, are low, and then therefore the price may not be over as overvalued as you think. The whole market might not be. So it's always difficult to know. But I can tell you right now, as we sit, as we stand right this second, the market's overvalued. Is it extremely overvalued? No, just overvalued. I have a hard time saying extremely overvalued. It's, you know, in certain aspects, it's overvalued. But there's certain sectors are not. Not the whole market is overvalued. Just interesting. I'm CP, and you're listening to Invest Talk. 2019 was a pretty good darn year for us at Invest Talk and KPP Financial. Our podcast downloads are quite popular, which I'm very pleased with. And we have now reached the point where there have been over 19 million downloads. Wow. I think that's a lot. And this is since we started our podcast downloads. Justin and I thank you very much for that. We do appreciate it. We have a good number of resources available online at investtalk.com. Resources to assist with you, your goal of building a better financial future. Get to that financial freedom goal. Of course, you can call our Irvine, California offices directly. But, you know, we'll talk about it. For now, our phone lines are open. 
You can call right now, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Steve Peasley has added two new portfolio review trips to his schedule. Steve will be in Dallas, Texas on Friday, January 24th, and he'll return to New York City for two days, Tuesday and Wednesday, January 28th and 29th. These are no-cost and no-obligation consultations. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. Steve and Justin welcome your investing questions, and the phone lines are open. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Charlie up here in Seattle, Washington. First, I'd like to thank you guys for your show. You guys do a wonderful job. You've really taught me a lot over the last year and a half, and I do appreciate it. I'm looking at um, putting some money into my Roth IRA and um, funding it, and I'm looking at a company called uh, Unilever. It's simple as UN. It's an international company. I'm just kind of looking at it, and it's trading now at about $56, and I was wondering if that's a good entry point. I'm looking at this for a long, long-term investment. So I was just kind of wondering what you guys thought about it. I just still don't know how to read those fundamentals very good, so I was hoping you guys could dig into that a little bit for me and see what you think. Thank you very much. Bye. Okay, Unilever is a very large company, $145 billion out of the Netherlands, a British-Dutch producer of food, detergents, personal care, products sold worldwide. It's a non-cyclical company, so the economic cycle doesn't really affect this company very much because these are staples that people have to own and buy. Earnings are going up 4%, uh, went up 4% last year, and the estimate is for 8% in 2020. Uh, pays a 2.8% dividend, good return on equity, very good return on equity, 47%, good cash flow. Uh, the problem you have here is sales have been shrinking the last seven out of the last seven out of eight quarters. Sales for the most recent quarter were down 3%. Well, think about, you know, they're international, but they're domiciled in Europe, and Europe has been hurting, so that's why. The stock peaked in August at 63 and today it's at 55. And I will say this, I think 55 looks like a decent support area. 55, $56, at 55, 68 today. So I would see, it's gone down sharply from 57 down to 55 in the last two days. You need to wait for it to turn sideways. And once it does, I think it's a good price. Not cheap, but I think it's a good price on the chart, but it's a stock Stock has really good return on equity, not a lot of debt. Um, the only thing is, I do think sales will turn around when Europe turns around. And if you're looking for, you know, something that might look good in the future, for long term, this you know, this is a big, solid, blue chip core company. And if you just can buy it cheap, that would be great. Last year, the bottomed at $51 a share. So somewhere between 51 and 55, you got to pick it up. I think you want to wait to see it turn sideways before buying. Sideways for, in other words, trade here at this price or uh, around this price for a week or two and then pick it up. Because you want to make sure it has bottomed. And you're going to make sure of that. See, like consolidation. We call that consolidation when the stock goes sideways. We call that consolidation. You'd like to see some consolidation, meaning you have the equal number of buyers and sellers at that price. 
So that tells you that's probably where it'll stop going down. Doesn't necessarily mean it will, but probably. Okay. Okay, why dividend stocks? Why should you buy dividend stocks? I had three talking points. I didn't even mention at the top of the hour. And I had, this is one of them. Why, why dividend stocks? First of all, you know, there's, a, there's, there's information out there that you can get. If you're looking for dividend stocks, and I have a dividend ETF list I send to people if they want. They just have to ask me, and I'll send it to them. But there's a list called, uh, there's books called, called Dividend Achievers out there. And it, it has page after page after page of stocks that pay dividends and how long they pay dividends, 10 years, 20 years, 100 years. Did you know there's stocks out there that have paid dividends over 100 years? Did you know that? There are. Anyway, so the, I would always recommend to get that book. I think they publish it every couple of years. Um, and that's a good place to start. One of the reasons why you should be, your portfolio should have dividend paying stocks, doesn't have to be full of dividend paying stocks, but should, that should be part of your portfolio, is dividends represent 30% or so of the return of the S&P 500 over any long period of time. It's 33% are dividends. 30, 33, somewhere in that range. And have you heard the um, the strategy called Dogs of the Dow? That's a dividend strategy. And what that is, is you buy the, of the Dow 30, you buy the, the worst 10 performing stocks for the year that pay the highest dividends. Okay? And you buy them. And you, and you, Next year, at the same time, you do the same thing. You get rid of the ones that are out, that have come out, and replace them with the ones that are low. Now, that worked for years and years and years and years, but when it got popular, all of a sudden, it doesn't work so much. <laughs> so it works so good. So it hasn't worked that great in the last couple of years. It has not, maybe even longer. But that is a strategy. It's a dividend strategy. You can come up with your own dividend strategy. But you know what? Dividend stocks are a good way to stabilize your portfolio over long periods of time. It really is. And remember, 30% of the S&P return is dividends. So I think you should consider it, personally. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. That we are live. We're always live Monday through Friday, four, the 4 to 5 hour on a specific, you know, Pacific time. And love to talk to you. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And, of course, you know, I always have the one, the same goal all the time. And that is for you and me and everybody else to achieve financial freedom. So how do you do that? You do that by knowledge. You do that by being consistent. And I'll help you. So we'll continue that work. Get your questions in now. 888-99-CHART. Next, Invest Talk How a Trump win in 2020 could reshape the housing market across America. That story tomorrow. But now, Steve Peasley is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Steve, 888 99 Chart. Hey, my name is John Phoenix. Thanks a lot for your show. I love it. I love listening to you guys every day. I had a question about a stock that I've owned for a few years. It's called HBI or Haynes Brand International. It hasn't moved. I've been collecting the dividend, which is good, but I was wondering what you think about it. Um, I look forward to hearing what you have to say. Thanks. Okay, Haynes Brand, uh, it has not done very much for some time. And I'll be honest, I think it's probably due. 
Um, Haynes Brand makes t-shirts, bras, panties, men's underwear, kids' underwear, socks, hosiery, casual, activewear. It is a $5.2 billion company. It pays a 4.2% stock. Its earnings are very, very steady. It's going to make $1.76 last year, 2019. It's going to make $1.76 this year, 2018. It made $1.71. I mean, you know. It's not exciting. It's not. But the P.E. is just getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Right now, it's at 8 Okay? Remember, it's a $14 stock going to make $1.76 per share. So, it can afford to pay 4% easily. It has a really good return on equity. And the stock is just not done very well. I wouldn't sell it if you've owned it this long. I wouldn't sell it now. The biggest issue I have with the company, the negative, is that it has a lot of debt. You know, um, uh, that's my biggest issue, and I don't understand why they have it. I'd have to look into that. Uh, it grows. Sales of growth is between 1% and 8% in the last four quarters, each quarter. So, it's okay. It's growing slowly. So, you know, this is probably the bottom. I, it's gone as low in the last year, as low as like $13. So, there's the absolute bottom, I think, that this stock would go if it you know, and a high for the year has been about 18. I just think if I owned it, I wouldn't sell it. If I was, if I, if I don't know if I buy it here, I'm still in a downtrend. It might get all the way down to $13. And then if it starts to come up from there, that'd probably be a better buy point. That's what I think. HBI, Haynes brand, everybody. Now, let's talk about why. The tight labor force market, the tight labor force that we have, why does that feel like that's planting the seed of the next recession? Why do I feel that? Well, because when when the labor market gets tight, what happens? Wages start to go up. And we've seen wages starting to pick up. Not greatly, not, no. Wages start to pick up. That's all I can say. They started to pick up because the labor market is hard. It's hard to find some good good employees. What does that do? That means corporations looking for employees have to pay up, and they have to give their current employees more income to keep them. What does that do? It squeezes the profits, corporate profits. When corporate profits squeeze, corporations do something about it. They cut costs, they do something. So whenever we're at a, it feels like we're at a peak of, of uh, full employment, the economy doing well, they could stay at a peak. I'm not saying that, I don't see us going into recession this year. I don't see that happening. Uh, maybe next year or the year after, but you know, you can't tell that. It's too far and far out yet. But it does feel that that we're at the tight labor market is planting the future seeds of a slowing economy because it can't stay tight forever. Can't. It doesn't. It, well, it maybe it can, but it hasn't. It hasn't. There's always cycles here. And we have been in a very, very, the world, the longest economic expansion cycle ever. Since 2009. It will not last forever. It will not. They don't. You haven't. They haven't destroyed the cycle. The economic cycle is the economic cycle. It's just that we've had a very long run on the upside. At some point, it will turn. I don't think it's going to be this year, though. I don't. 
I think the market's actually going to do pretty good this year. Not as good as 2019, but 2020 should have a good year. Statistics tell us that it should be a pretty good year. So, even though the I just think we need to be aware. I want you to be aware of what's happening in the economy. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Talk program. I will return tomorrow. And in the meantime, please tell your friends and family members that uh, I will travel to Dallas and then on to New York City later in the month. And if they want to meet with me, benefit from a no-cost portfolio review, be happy to do that. So don't wait too long. Uh, I'm, I'm almost full on, in Dallas. Now I've got some more slots left in New York. So learn more and get your name on the schedule. Go to investtalk.com to do that. Send me an email. Have a great night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.